0: This one time in Tanzania, dinner tried to eat me. Jessica and I were finally taking that trip of a lifetime, an African safari. If you haven't checked recently, this has nothing to do with a Johnny Weissmeller flick. These days, your average tent essentially has solid walls, great lighting, Wi-Fi, working plumbing, outdoor showers with a view of other naked animals, and lion-savvy, spear-armed Maasai warriors to walk you back and forth to the lodge for the day's activity. After our dusty wowing of thousands of impala, hundreds of zebras, dozens of giraffes, scores of elephants among sundry monkeys, birds, and wild dogs, we returned to dress for dinner. Off we were with to the lodge for a sundowner with some new British friends who almost expectedly likened American culture to the Jerry Springer show time for dinner Reginald we were escorted to a gently Terraced hill overlooking the lake and served a glass of champagne as our order was taken then as the sun disappeared and bread service began it was followed by a swarm of mutant flying insects these things were huge I'm talking Jurassic Park kind of huge and they wanted us not the bread Masai Spears had nothing on these freaks. Welts were acquired, some running occurred, and we, or what was left of us, took our food to go. Thank goodness for outdoor showers equipped with steel bug nets. My name is Howie Southworth. I travel, I eat, I cook, and then I write fancy words about all of it. My cookbooks are loaded with wild stories and fabulous bites, and I've shared plenty of my own adventures. But now, I want to hear somebody else's for a change. Sauce and Translation is a timely podcast spanning the globe of food, spinning tales of lavish meals, and epic gastronomic failure. Join us for some well-deserved armchair globetrotting. Let's get saucy. My guest today is Kaiser Guo. Kaiser is one of my favorite broadcasters as the co-host of the Seneca podcast on SupChina News. It was through that prismed window that I virtually met him as an international policy guy, the model intellectual expat, a Silicon Valley meets Beijing rock star, a sword enthusiast, and moreover, the guy you wanted to be when you grew up but never knew it. To put icing on this particular cake, Kaiser has divided his life between the U.S. and China, and to my calculations, there is no better way to optimize one's culinary self. Indeed, I have been a guest on the Syndica podcast talking about this very thing. Here's our chat. So, Kaiser, I typically ask folks to describe how they've altered the way they've been eating during these Corona times. But you are so very present on social media that I think I could give your answer for you. But <laughs> I will say
1: sourdough and you say the rest. Yeah, sourdough. My God, I, I think that, um, you know, you, you don't want to spread conspiracy theories. And I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not saying necessarily that an intelligent uh, sourdough culture is responsible for the pandemic, but you have to look at who benefits.
0: No, absolutely. So it's a uh, that to get too into the weeds, but I want to know what got you started. Not no pun intended, I guess. Starter. What was the starting uh, movements of your sourdough passion? Where are you today? And what was the hardest thing you had to do?
1: So, actually, I have a friend, uh, who used to work with me at Baidu. He's out in Silicon Valley now. His name is Brian Cotton and he posts pictures of his daily bread. He bakes every day and all sorts of stuff. I mean, and his, it was pornographic. I mean, just, just the, 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 ears on his sourdough were so crisp and, and the rise was so amazing. And I mean, he didn't even post crumb porn, right? He didn't actually like cut the, the bread in half. You can just sort of see it from the outside, but, um, I figured, look, this guy's got some sort of secret. So I, I just talked to him one day. I, we were just chatting and I said, listen, what's, uh, you know, what does it take for a guy who is, you know, reasonably competent in a kitchen to, to begin to bake as well as you do? And he said, look, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's like so many other things. You just sort of start with recipes and then you can, once you feel really comfortable, you can start moving beyond that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I did, I just sort of took the, the, I, I watched about six different, YouTube videos, uh, all sorts of different techniques, you know, how to get your sourdough starter going, you know, what what to use. I ended up just experimenting a bit. I had some wild honey. I had a lot of rye flour. Um, I mean, I know that my kitchen is just sort of full of all sorts of microbial activity. I just feel it. Um, and so I, I, I got a really great start tartar. I mean, I was just really enthusiastic. It was just really vigorous and smelled kind of, you know, nutty and fruity and it had a kind of nice alcohol kind of so I, I just thought, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going for it and I, I started, I was, you know, I, I, at first it was just your very generic uh, sourdough loaves and then I started you know, doing baguettes and I started doing a bunch of other stuff. Uh, but The other thing that incentivized me to do this is that I live in a cul-de-sac uh at the end of the street and and there's a bunch of neighbors, and one of them owns the 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 local chain of great uh coffee shops and he has a coffee roastery and so we just started this kind of informal barter system where every every week or so I'd drop off a loaf of sourdough and he would stuff a couple of pounds of coffee into my mailbox and so yeah it was <laughs> it was great that is we, fantastic good good
0: way to start a friendship yeah. Yeah. And so this was um, what I've seen in the sourdough craze, if you will, is that people kind of hit some ultima, right? They hit some peak. They hit a summit. They're like, you know what? And I'm out. Mic drop. I got the right. perfect crumb. I got the perfect ear. I've got the perfect rise. I'm out. I don't want to fail again. Is that, did you, did you N- feel nah, that? I'm still doing it. You, I mean, just keep right
1: My, my oven's out of commission right now. Uh, but I've got another oven. It's just, it's it's downstairs in the guest unit. So it's kind of a, a a hassle and it's an older oven, you know, but I don't, I didn't, it's not like I had a fancy oven with steam injection or anything like that. I mean, I still just, you know, put a cast iron pan of water at the bottom of the oven, you know, for, for sourdough. But so yeah, no, I still bake every couple of weeks. Um. I, I still have a lot of demand. I mean, friends in the neighborhood say, "Hey, Kaiser, come on! You know, you're, you're behind. Give me a loaf. I, I come on. You got to set me up, man." Did you stick with uh, just boules and baguettes, or did you go crazy with like olive breads and rye? Yeah, no. I'm I'm just really kind of a purist. I, I I've you know I, I changed the 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 makeup sometimes i'll put a little spelt in there or a little rye or uh you know different flowers but it's it's the same basic stuff i mean i i i'm not i don't cheat i I do use diastatic malt powder and i love that malty taste that it imparts but also just it just makes the yeast so vigorous i cheat with with that and i do cheat i i've started to put a little bit of gluten vital uh, wheat gluten vital wheat gluten in it Mm -hmm. yeah as well just cause I, I, just really like that chewiness that oh, yeah. it, it gives. And, and these aren't cheats, good. by the way. These are, these are actual tools
0: used by real professionals. Like they, yeah. you know, yeah. it's a legit thing to do. I started to get into, uh, you know, the, the, the thing that culinary school left me with was not a chef job because that would have killed me for the hours alone. <laughs> but what I did walk away with was a passion for, for bread baking. What I did not walk away with was a love of high, hydration doughs and that's what Uh, i felt people got really good at during this this corona time your 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 loads that i've seen anyway uh were are gorgeous was this a a high hydration thing were you uh playing a
1: conservative with a harder dough i started with 70 percent hydration and worked up um, i mean i now you know sometimes i'm 75 80 once in a while if i'm feeling really brave but it's tough i mean it's not easy right um and Obviously, it's easier uh, in high hydration if you've got you know a little bit of gluten action going on. Baking, it's it's great. I mean, because during that that bulk rise phase, during you know the stretch and folds, it's like the perfect amount of time to you know go sit down and pound out a, a, you know 45 minutes of work, and then go back and, and do the mindless stretch and fold. And it's just you know I mean I i walk around i get up the stairs I, I you know move my arms a bit uh and in the, in the i come back down and keep writing it's nice i can get a little bit nerdy about bread but how many folds did you end up like maxing out at i, I do to like between 50 and 70 each time it's it's and it's more just sort of out of exercise than <laughs> I, I believe that it's actually making the bread that much better is there anything else in particular that you upped your game within during this whole mess. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, one is just sort of uh, down the Mexican rabbit hole. You know, they're, they're in Durham where I live. They're great, massive Mexican groceries. And my wife started getting into it partially because she just loves Mexican ice cream. Uh, so it was always easy to entice her to go out to the, the the Mexican supermarket. And we would just buy every variety of chili available. I mean, things that I just never seen before. And, you know, taste them individually um, You know, ask friends. You know, is this better like soaked or is this better just ground dry and and then I, I'd make these different blends to make different sauces and and use them in different ways. And so that that's been a lot of fun. But yeah, going down, doing down that. Well, right now on, it's, it's, it's not fun. to push back a little bit on you, but th- this was
0: not a new phase for you. You've been cooking Mexican for a long time. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but I hadn't really explored. I mean, it was pretty straightforward stuff before i mean sometimes i would just use you know your standard chilies that you you get you know arboles and um and like guajillos and stuff like that but now i'm buying these ones that i have no idea some of them that are just like so interesting tasting so yeah mexican is one of the three that i cook in steady rotation the the kind of which are you know sichuan chinese uh, well you know chinese generally but I, i my focus has been on sichuan And, uh, Indian. I
0: was in a very interesting conversation with, uh, Martin Yan all well, people a couple weeks ago. And it surprised mm-hmm. me. And yeah. I, I was talking to him about like his latest culinary uh, passions or, you know, what, what is he having an affair with right now? And he went down the same rabbit hole of, of, Mexican food and it was surprising initially. But then what we drilled down to was that the flavor profiles, not a whole lot different from some of the regional Chinese. I mean, you know, you've got exactly. your chilies, you've got your exactly. cumin, you've got your love of cilantro and love of scallions. And, and there's a lot of, uh, uh, that's right. There's a lot of alliums going on. There's a lot of hot going on. Uh, so what did you where do you strike yeah. the difference and what similarities have you found when you're cooking Mexican food versus cooking, say, Sichuan food?
1: So the interesting thing is that I have cooked a lot of Mexican food in China when I lived in China and, and every time I would just never waste the opportunity to invite some Chinese friends over who had you know, perhaps never tried Mexican food before. And they were uniformly not just not just you know politely enthusiastic about it, but they were always you yes. know, stuffing themselves, absolutely full. You know, they had never thought of of Mexican food as something that was similar to Chinese food. The only thing that was odd to them at all was you know cheese, right? But even that, that was. I mean, there's no really really strong flavored cheeses in Mexican food. It's really mild cheeses, right? Uh, so they they loved it. I mean, they they absolutely loved it. So I would start them off with really simple stuff you know just like like what i'm making for dinner tonight which is you know enchiladas just you know chicken and chili verde take a bunch of chicken thighs and or you know if they're you know in china you don't get the boneless skinless right so you get real chicken thighs and uh, a bunch of green chilies and and tons of onions and cumin and and oregano and then uh, you know turn it into a stuffing a really nice really flavorful stuffing and then enchilada sauce that i would make myself out of the same you know the 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 soup from the from the chicken as i boiled it they all loved it i mean it was just i mean friends who were making themselves you know three or four (laughs) fat fat enchiladas and just and yeah it's 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 so similar i mean and and then from there to indian food it's another an, step I, I find that like a lot of my chinese friends would say sort of up and down. i don't like indian food i don't like indian food it you knows uh, but I, I found that mexican was sort of an intermediary Would you find the, you know that cumin flavor in there the other thing that they would always blow them away is they'd never had mexican rice before spanish rice you know for them rice should be sticky and white or fried but uh they had never really experienced, you know, what you do, and they when they watched me make it. They were just really blown away. they like, "Yeah, this makes complete sense. This is yeah, this is really great." So my wife and and my children they they love Spanish rice. We always have rice and beans around the house. Uh, it's such a it's such an easy on ramp for the Chinese yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: into Mexico. and I think vice versa. Uh, funny thing about uh, uh chinese food and mexican food i've always seen a, a grand parallel between the two i was in Qingdao in, who knows i just wanted to go and drink a lot of beer, <laughs> but it was like the late 90s early odd years and uh greg you're familiar with greg yeah. lots of. greg and i rolled up to this cart and the first thing that caught our eye was that they were they were clearly using Pre made Bing or pre made right. pancakes that b- bore a striking resemblance they to are tortillas. tortillas yeah. We rolled up and in the bins of stuff that you could put into this uh, essentially a burrito right. were what looked like carnitas. Uh-huh. Which turned out to be red cooked, right, right, right. but essentially carnitas. There were it was cilantro mm-hmm. and it was seasoned rice, which I thought was oh, interesting.
1: Really? No, that is interesting. Yeah,
0: it was a, it was an odd thing because like you, like you said in China, it's not something you see all the time. Um, so a bunch of herbs, a bunch of rice. There were even uh, oddly enough, there were kidney beans, ah. which is the thing that 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 tripped me out. But they were red kidney beans. So we essentially
1: went to this guy who was making burritos it's funny that you you had that experience in Qingdao when I was there in 2000 I think it was 2000 it was 2003 it was right on the eve of the real outbreak of SARS my uh then fiance she wasn't my wife yet and I we were in Qingdao with a whole uh, with my band right we were playing uh, a bunch of shows in Qingdao and uh our lead singer had a really good friend there who owned this restaurant it was a really huge restaurant and uh you know, it was we basically had run of the place. And one evening I decided just to train up all the cooks in uh, how to make, you know, basically, you know, Mexican food. So we just made huge amounts. Uh, we made like, you know, chili verde uh, chicken and we made, you know, like, you know, Colorado beef, you know, red chili beef and all sorts of other stuff. I, we made, you know, a huge pot of beans uh, and then I made, I made them all make tortillas. And we had, you know, like a stack of tortillas two feet high. And then just invited uh, everyone to just just go crazy on Mexican food. And it was, the people were just, they loved it. It was just nuts how much they ate. You know, maybe
0: it's just possible that I was there shortly after you were (laughs) there. And the guy that ran that cart happened to be one of the guys in the kitchen that night. Because it was a a shockingly good burrito. If you can remember, Kaiser, the last time
1: you left home uh, and went traveling and what you ate. My last prelapsarian trip was October of 2019 to Chengdu. I was invited there to go speak at a Taishin conference, um, uh, you know, the Chinese, uh, business finance magazine. And while I was there, I, uh, you know, in the audience was Jim Molinax, who is the, uh, was the former consul general of the Chengdu consulate. Before, of course, um, you know, because in retaliation for Trump closing Houston, China closed the Houston cons- or the Chengdu consulate. And, uh, we hit it off. We, we had a nice chat. The next night, uh, he invited me out to dinner with his wife, whose name is, uh, Zhuangzi. Uh, Zi Zhuang, who's a very, very well-known Taiwanese American food blogger and and YouTube celeb, you know Chinese video celeb, uh, she's now come in for a lot of you know criticism, which is ridiculous, you know, all because of just the anti-American jingoism. But um, they took me to one of their favorite spots in Chengdu, which is called Ma Wangzi, uh, and it's it's very well known. If you ask any Chengdu people about Ma Wangzi, it, it's um, there's usually a crazy long line, but, of course, they were able to pull guanxi and we got the, you know, we were seated very quickly. And uh, it was insane. It was just such great food. I, I don't remember specifically what was ordered because, you know, Z did all the ordering and it was just fantastic. I mean, every everything was just better than the last dish that showed up. On that same trip, I also uh, met up with uh, Lauren Teixeira and uh, another writer who lives in Chengdu another american who um i mean Chengdu is now becoming quite the the place right i mean where all the, the hip youngsters go and and for good reason because it's just a great place they took me to a little hole in the wall that specialized in this this type of noodle uh that i'd heard of you know I, i'd never actually tried before called tian shui mian uh which is you know tian, tian shui mian mm-hmm. is um literally sweet water noodles it's these udon like noodles that are made with food which is this flavored uh soy sauce it's got you know lots of it's sort of suffused with a lot of spices and there's brown sugar in it and and uh it's it's different though from you know dark soy sauce it, you start it with a shumcho chou up but it, it's it's great and I found a recipe for how to make uh Zhang in Fuchsia Dunlop's book, um, the, the Food of Sichuan. And so we, we've started doing that using it. You know, it's just it's it's super useful. It's kind of like the the, the magic bullet in, in a lot of Sichuan cooking.
0: I consider it one of the unsung
1: heroes <laughs> of the Sichuan noodle scene. So one thing that I've I've done now um and I've had friends over to do this I mean the the sort of safe chinese people <laughs> uh, my my daughter's friends parents and stuff like that I'll do noodle bar day uh, so I will just put out lots of bowls crushed peanuts a bowl of sesame a bowl of sesame oil a bowl of you know hongyo a, a a bowl of I mean, and and you sort of mix your own noodle sauce. Uh, you know, hand pulled noodles, and so people, you know, are really really into it. Wait, you're hand pulling them? You're you're yeah, doing hand pulling. The- yeah, that that's that's something I learned. I finally learned that. Oh. I, I'm I'm not. It's not elegant, and I'm not doing fancy tricks, but I can hand pull noodles now.
0: Yeah. So what what Kaiser's referring to is is we're, we're talking about is pulling from a thick piece of dough, pulling it long and twisting, and pulling it long and twisting, so that you end up with, you know. Tens of thousands of strands of noodle from a block of dough, which is I, I've never yeah. got it. I, I,
1: there are certain techniques that I, I am now. It's, it's, it's all about wrapping on your wrists. It's about it's about using your wrists. It's its, it's interesting. There's there's a couple of videos. I mean, I'll, I'll send you something. The one that I really learned from. Uh, and it's all about, you know, just like uh, how long you rest the dough between this and that. And I mean, it just becomes kind of idiot proof. I mean, it's, it's really so stretchy that it, it, it's almost unbreakable. Uh, and, and so you don't, you don't end up having that problem. Do you use high gluten flour? No, it's just normal bread flour, which is pretty high gluten. Yeah. I just use normal bread flour. Uh, I would, I would add gluten if I did it again. I haven't done it in a couple of months. So, I mean, the problem is that my wife, because, you know, I've been putting on a few, she's, she basically thinks the culprit is, is noodles. And I, I've convinced her that sourdough doesn't do it. Uh, sourdough doesn't, doesn't make my, my lower face swell up the way that noodles do, but one meal of pasta and it's visible on me. And she, so she's, she's right about that. So I'm not allowed to, I'm not allowed to do that now. Uh, or if I am, I, I, you know, I can feed my children and, and her, but I am not allowed to eat noodles. Here's your solution. Sourdough noodles. <laughs>
0: You know, I'm a big fan of uh, tomato and scrambled egg. Oh yeah, I do that one. I love, it's a comfort dish for me. But uh, Chengdu, in one particular noodle shop, makes it uh, and then just tosses it into a bowl of noodles. And it's like the best
1: breakfast in the world. Yeah, yeah, that's a thing. That's a a, a normal thing. Love it. uh, Yeah, we do that all the time. So my my wife and I are always competing on that particular dish. Not the noodle version of it, but just that particular dish. I I actually think my my version is more real. She uses she actually puts ketchup in hers. You know I've heard you say that before. I think I feel like I, I'm having deja vu moment.
0: I think we've actually talked about this in 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 which my retort was you know the the very famous uh, Japanese chef Chen Kenichi who cooked Chinese on Iron Chef. Uh huh. He put ketchup in his mapo tofu and oh. he, what what he's always said, and I agree. All you're doing is putting tomato, sugar, and vinegar. vinegar that's it, all right. it is, right? It's 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 already alchemy. So how what do you think of the ketchup in it? Cuz that's that's something I don't do, but I've been kind of ketchup curious.
1: It's good, but it tastes like I mean but it tastes like ketchup. I mean, I, I I feel like I can taste that there's ketchup in it. I mean, so I've I've convinced her to just like, you know what? Um sugar's fine, whatever tomato paste. Just use tomato paste instead of actual ketchup and I I feel like there's the, that kind of Heinzy taste that, that is re- residual when she actually uses ketchup straight out of the And then there's also the, the great sugar debate, right? I actually, uh, I eschew sugar. Oh, I am a sugar guy. I often come into
0: conflict with people uh, with one technique specifically. I use uh, a lot of soy sauce after I scramble my eggs and get them out of the out of the wok. I use soy sauce and it's all again, it's al- alchemical because I, I I let the soy sauce reduce with the tomatoes by half, okay, and it becomes this thick, savory bath for then the scrambled eggs to get coated with. But don't you still want pieces of tomato? You do still get uh, the Uh very edge of the tomato, but yeah, you're right, a lot of the pulp, a lot of that pulp becomes the sauce. But it's to me, it's all about that sauce coating, um, which I know it's antithetical to the practice of the dish. It's a very fast (laughs) dish to make generally, but it takes me about
1: five minutes and not 30 seconds. Yeah, that that that's just a, I mean, that's solid, solid comfort food. I mean, that's one that, I, I mean, I think we cook it at least once a week for the kids. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know what I made yesterday is uh, trotters, pig trotters, uh, which was just amazing. I mean, just, I, I did a really basic Hong of them. So all I did was I took the trotters and I, I put them in a big Ziploc bag with about half dark and half light soy and just, you know, coated them real good and then put a quarter inch of oil at the bottom of my wok and then and seared them on both sides you know all four of the the big pieces they're long kind of cut almost through pieces seared them on both sides and then just did did a red cook wow that stickiness of them all that collagen so tasty
0: i had a conversation just yesterday about the word unctuous and and, um that Uh, has been used to describe that very thing that you're talking about. Like when you stew trotters long enough, you get the resulting kind of almost pleasantly gluey, if you will, but that that feeling. You are a scholar. You understand that the word unctuous
1: should never be used to equate deliciousness. Right. I mean, it's one of these words where you know, it, it's neutral, but it has such heavy connotation, and the word itself is is such an ugly word, right? Well, but it's got a negative connotation. when whenever somebody uses it. To- yeah, I mean, so you describe people as unctuous, yes. you know, somebody who's just sort of, you know, ole- oleaginous right. and kind of right. right.
0: But yeah. never it's, I, it's it's when people use it to describe food to just I was I was hoping yeah, that I was praying me. that you wouldn't just say, oh my god, these trotters are just unctuous because they're not. Kaiser, do you have a favorite of all time food travel story
1: when you travel around China as a, as a band, right, uh, which is how I've seen most of the country. Right. I've either gone on tour with with Tang Dynasty or, or with Chunqiu. Part of what happens is, you know, the Da the, way. you know, whoever the sponsoring organization will always take you out. And every little town in China has its specialty. Right. And every town has the right restaurant that serves that specialty in just the right way. So when you are traveling around, it's kind of uh, you know VIP with, uh, especially when you've a band, you've got you know all the hangers on and all the other people. So there is enough that they'll order every possible dish, and you get you get to sample everything. So the thing I look forward to most about going on tour is just the eating. And so the best trip ever was the, the two thousand eight two thousand nine winter tour that I did with with Chuncho. We just ate our way around the country. I mean, I want to replicate that again. So th- uh, that counts as a single trip for me. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, it was just like, you know, I mean, I can rattle off all the of cities. So, you know, Tianjin uh, down the East Coast. We, we were all the way down in the South. Oh, uh, We we to Wuhan and we went, went to Changsha. And those are two fantastic food cities. I mean, they're just unbelievable. Like Cities like Suzhou, they have their own special dishes. Uh, and then, in, you know, down in the South in Shenzhen and Guangdong, uh in Guangzhou and then on uh, Nanning was surprisingly mm. good and we ended up actually we we went all the way to to Xining in in Qinghai province which was amazing and then you know Chengdu of course we were we were there as well and then back through Xi'an then back to Beijing and and eating you know on someone else's dime in every city the sort of you know creme de la creme of what whatever of like you know the, their specialty food so that's what I want to do and what I want to replicate. You know, after my kids are off in college, Fan, Fan and I are going to go back to China. And one of the first things we're going to do is we're going to do an itinerant food tour of the country. We're just going to take plan out, you know, high speed rail itinerary to, to go around the entire country and eat and, you know, record our eating experiences. And, and, that, and that's going to be it. That's the whole point of the trip. And, you know, it's not going to be about museums. It's not going to be about you know scenery. It's going to be a culinary. Excursion. I think I think you're going to
0: need someone to shoot that Kaiser. <laughs> ah, okay, okay. I think we got we got to make that into something. Yeah, well, let, it, me it ha- could, let me let me ask, ask you a, a question specifically. Xining, now one of my favorite food cities, and really? I did not, I didn't expect it. It hit me by surprise. But w- what was your experience? It, it, there, the Xining is, is a, it's uh, relatively in the northwest of China, uh, high Muslim
1: population. Yeah, it was like Lanzhou. I thought it was very much like Lanzhou. So there was a lot of heavy, you know, noodle dishes and clearish broths with uh, like l- Lu- row and you know sort of like corned beef dishes and a lot of it was right. yak it was good I thought it was good it was hearty uh, you know real savory stuff it felt like high altitude food to me
0: it's uh it was a, it was a shocking uh, we had by accident walked into a, a restaurant that happened to be you know a, of some quality within the the, the Muslim food pantheon mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, but we didn't know it we were just we kind of tripped upon it and we and we went with it but we took a look at these dishes and were, we're we didn't know where to start the menu was was a volume. It was huge, wow. and and the cook came out and was like, "These are my favorite dishes." And we it took us like a half hour to decide you know the six dishes that we were going to order. Nice, but there there was like a, a pounded potato and chilies dish. Uh, most of it was vegetarian. uh If it was any meat, it was lamb. There was a, a, a very thinly cut corned lamb. It's funny that you mentioned mm-hmm. luro. It was like a, a cured lamb, thinly sliced and cornstarch stuck to slices of eggplant and oh, deep-fried. Wow. That's that's fascinating. I had no idea. I had never heard of anything like that. That sounds really good, though. I had seen nothing like this. Uh, there's a similar dish in Chengdu. The Sichuan version of an iron skillet eggplant hmm. um, happens to be in XO sauce. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Famously, in XO sauce. But it's a similar treatment where they take thinly sliced eggplant, or is it XO or scallop sauce scallops right the sichuan cooks do it with pork and and XO sauce this was a clear sauce with lamb and it knocked our socks off but man i'm i'm telling you it was we were only there for uh, 3 4 days something like this but one of the one of the towns that
1: surprised me the most i i'm i'm a lamb aficionado i mean i the, one of the great things about you know living here is that uh, you know we've got Costco <laughs> right and they sell these you know gigantic really inexpensive new zealand lamb legs and uh they're boned and everything so i mean they're 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 useful i'd rather be able to buy shoulder I mean, i'd rather cook with shoulder but um you know leg if you keep the fatty parts and you know incorporate them we make a lot of you know yaro choir we do a lot we have one of the, the proper yaro choir things in in earlier days i could you know also do like a chalkal ro with with you know hand pulled noodles and do a lot zi, xinjiang style zi. of course i'm now banned from eating that uh, like <laughs> But, yeah. So you actually own one of the uh, the the
0: Beijing the troughs, street style
1: yeah. trough grills, I right? Do, yeah, which are oh, just, that's fantastic. just the right. I mean, because it's it's just the right height and just the right size. So it came with a whole you know ton of skewers. But they, hey, you have to use metal skewers because they help to transmit heat and cook it from the inside, and they're just the right length so that you know you eat you know the, the meat fits within the confines of the trough and now i kind of know or uh, you know the amount of the right amount of charcoal to put in and yeah we're 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 good we just set that up right in front of our house and just torture the neighborhood with do you do the fancy uh dancing with the fire and no, the big no, sticks no no, and, no okay the skewers co- are nice they're they're, they're flat so it, it's easy to sort of know when you know how they're turned over yeah, they're like little swords
0: so this journey that you took, uh, notably two thousand eight, two thousand nine, with with uh, spring and autumn. I'm going to name a city. I want to know what specialty. Probably screw this up, but I'll try. Yeah, sure. Okay. Well, let's start easy. Changsha, Hunan Province.
1: Yeah, well, that's shao Rou. I mean, the 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 unbelievably good shao Rou. Or you know, you got. It, there's a trick to that. I mean, you got to get it so that the the. The fatty parts of them aren't aren't knee, right? They're the oil's been sort of cooked out of them. They still have kind of a, a structure to them. Yeah, it's it's just amazing. But they're they're so good at that. Right.
0: Properly made pork belly is something that is
1: really hard to replicate. Tianjin. I mean, I've had like a lot of the Tianjin special like Golbuli baldza and stuff like that, but Tianjin I don't feel like it's that different from Beijing. It's not. I mean I don't <laughs> I don't feel like it yeah. It's it's the same food basically. And, uh, I hate to go so far south, but did you guys go to Guangzhou? We did. We did. Guangzhou food is, is so familiar to most Americans. I mean, it, it, it yeah. so yeah, we did have dim sum, right? I mean, you, you do that. I mean, I, the thing that I love, and i it's stupid, but I mean, and now I know how to make this all the time, but what I was craving when we got there and what I satisfied my, my need for, and this is really more a Hong Kong thing than a Guangzhou thing is just, you know, your good old uh, barbecued pork, you know, cha-shao, served on a bed of jasmine rice with that sort of honey sauce. Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, uh, let's go back up north and go okay. to Xi'an. So, Xi'an, I mean, the the thing they eat there, obviously, uh, is yang roo pao mo. And that is unbelievably tasty. So, I don't know. It, it's not a familiar dish to a lot of people, but um, it's one of these things that rewards patients. So, what they do is you you're given these two... Usually two, uh, maybe seven inch in diameter, hard biscuit-like things. And you you pinch off little pieces into little dumpling bits like you would in sort of Eastern Europe. And you're supposed to do them quite small. And you fill half your bowl with that. And then they come and they give you this super savory mutton broth uh, that has lots of cilantro, lots of... Uh, it's got, you know, glass noodles in it, you know, um, mung bean noodles or whatever. And... Uh, you know, lots of slices of mutton, really garlicky, really deeply flavored and it, it's, I don't know how to explain why it's good, but you, you have to eat it with preserved garlic, like, you know, that, that kind of sweet, sour preserved garlic, a little, little nibble of that and then a spoon of the Yangro Palmo, and it's heaven. It's absolute heaven. It's one of the more shocking
0: things that when you, when you tell someone who has not traveled around China or eaten in China that, you know, sometimes you get pickled garlic, you know, on the table and you're supposed to take that, that dent of, uh, that tooth of, of garlic and just Chew on it. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's antithetical to a lot of Western thinking about like what you actually spice things with. But I, I will say that the most entertaining thing about uh, the, this lamb and bread soup in Xi'an is that most places that you go to will issue you a little, uh, it's like a a clip with a number on it they put on your bowl because after you're done picking your bread into pea-sized little bits they don't want to get anybody's bits mixed up with anybody else's bits of bread that you've now manhandled, so they clip a number onto your bowl and then they bring it so that they know exactly who ripped up this bread but yeah, one of the more unique uh, that and tomato and egg are among like a dozen dishes that I really
1: wish um, American Chinese restaurants would do more of yeah, yeah, that cannot be hard. It's not. I mean, I, I actually, I'm probably gonna, I'm gonna try to do that. I can make the more easily. I, I've, I've made Shaobing. I've made a lot of Chinese bready things. Yes. Uh, I mean, I, I made a successful um like sesame shall being that took long well
0: more bread's not far from it i mean it's it's no, it's, it's, it's the it's same easy. rolling technique but you know yeah. it's because of its uses more bread even the best more bread is is a, it's a pretty toothsome affair it's like the Tian min shui noodles yeah, it's, yeah, a, yeah, it's a it's yeah. a harder bread
1: yeah 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 i mean it's 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 really rough i mean it's it seems like you know bread from another age yeah. it's 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 unrefined but it, 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 it there's no substitute for it. Like if you make like a rojia uh, which is another thing that we absolutely love. You take, you know, fatty red cooked pork uh, and then you chop it up with raw uh, green peppers and cilantro with plenty of the juice. So it's still kind of a juicy thing. You you have these baked muo, which you slice like sort of like a pita and then stuff with this. And that's that's one of the most fabulous things. So when we're feeling lazy or we don't want to make the moa, we use uh the naan bread you can buy at Costco the indian naan I don't know it's it's weird and and we make sort of sandwiches with that and then slice them huh. so and we make you know yang rope uh, not yang rope and we make um you know ro jamoa with with those right. and it's delicious it's absolutely delicious often
0: misnamed
1: in on english menus as the oh
0: god it bothers me so much the chinese, chinese hamburger. hamburger
1: right 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 it's right.
0: it's the opposite I mean, it's it's a Chinese pulled pork sandwich. If anything, it's yeah, a, it's yeah, like yeah, a it's Chinese pulled pork yeah, sandwich. Exactly, and then it's a, such a delicious. I, I think the replacement of naan makes it a different animal. But that sounds delicious. We make uh, it we is. make um, so
1: yeah, you know, olive oil just you know in a pan with with the naan just on on both sides, so it's crispy on the outside. Yeah. it's delicious. It's it's really, really We good. have a recipe so, for young ro pomwa in the street
0: food book, and I, I think uh, I yeah. think it's a fairly except for the fact that a lot of these joints... In Xi'an that specialize in it. They actually have a mother broth that's been cooking for decades. A (laughs) hundred years. Right, exactly. So you're never ever going to get, you're not going to replicate that at home, but you could get cooking lamb broth the right way. You can get fairly close. Uh, Okay, one more place and then I'll knock off this silly game of mine.
1: Let's go directly to the center of the problem, Wuhan. Okay. What? obviously but there's a lot of other dishes that i love there so one of the, the dishes that i crave whenever i'm in hubei is it's it's just the most there's an expression in chinese xia fan which means it just sends the rice down just diced preserved long beans with you know stir fried with round pork and it's about that simple you use a little bit of soy sauce in there and that's about it but it's very it's really salty it's it's quite salty but uh, that the sourness of those pickled beans uh, and the savoriness of the pork blend, well. These
0: are well. the uh, correct me if I'm wrong.
1: I I forget that what what the name of them are. But these
0: are the fermented chopped up long beans. Is that the yeah? You, the they're you not know?
1: fermented. I don't think they're fermented. They're just pickled. They're pickled. They're okay. pickled. In, 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 so it's it's really it's slightly spicy but very sour. Yeah, yeah, and really crispy. They often show up in my one of my favorite uh,
0: dishes, which is the ants climbing up a tree.
1: Oh, that's the other thing that's become a staple in our house is, um, you know, every major grocery store sells these cheap, cheap rotisserie chickens, right? We, you know, eat them, sort of just do, do kind of a, a Western Thanksgiving gravy and then just eat them. But, you know, we're, we're not careful, right? We leave a lot of meat on the bones and then they go into a pot and then they become, uh, rice gruel, you know, chicken rice gruel, uh, congee. Which is just the most delicious thing. And then eat that with a little bit of the, 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 the pickled vegetables Ooh. I described just now. Uh with some you know, pork floss or with some preserved dofu. Well, um, oh,
0: you're not that angry. far of a
1: drive from me right
0: now. Um, yeah, <laughs> actually yeah. so it's, it's the stupidest thing in the world, but uh kanji or you know or or overcooked rice if you will, gruel or uh-huh. porridge, whatever you want to call it. Porridge. Yeah. Made with an excellent and I, I I emphasize excellent with an excellent chicken broth is irreplaceable. Like it oh, is it's the best thing It's such the world. a warm,
1: comforting dish. It's comfort food, absolute comfort food. Yeah. So, you know, the other thing that you put on top of that is, you know, you know, the scallions that you stick in a jar and you let them, those tender, pale green. Yeah. When you
0: regrow, when you regrow, right. Right.
1: right, right, Regrow scallions. That stuff. You you dice that up and put that on top of the conch. I always find those
0: to be, um, unexpectedly floral. Right. Those 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 tender shoots that come out. It's it's a wonderful. That taste is lovely. It's a different taste. I mean, it's 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 like another animal. Um, Oh, God, I could talk about kanji for a long time. I didn't realize that that it's a it's a really fascinating concept itself. But uh, we were in Suzhou. Not Suzhou. We were uh, on Shishan Island, of all places, in the middle of uh, Taihu, uh, outside of Suzhou and uh we were shooting one of these sauce and translation things and but but what stuck with me is that while we were doing our cooking american food thing the matron of the of the place this is like a little b and b if you will kind of an inn, she was making for the six hours of that we were shooting she was making a single pot meal for us and it was nothing more than a whole chicken a bunch of scallions water and salt and that changed my perspective on chicken broth forever and it's (laughs) i still do it today if 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 something is on my stove it's a chicken in a pot because if you just put a fire on the lowest possible setting and you're thinking uh, why i'm I'm putting a cold chicken into cold water but after six hours the bird has fallen apart the broth is unlike anything you've tasted deep rich kind of a dark brown and and that scallion uh flavor and it's the most simple thing in the world but use that To make kanji, it's
1: a game changer. It's a game changer. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. You know those steamed chicken broths that they they do in Yunnan? With the the, the chi kwaji. Yeah. 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 Oh, oh, my God. That's delicious. Where it's, it's, it's,
0: uh, there's this pot that if you look at it, you can't imagine how this actually cooks a chicken, but it does because you put boiling water underneath this thing that looks like the top of a tajin. A Moroccan tagine, yeah, yeah. but, it a, like a but it's got a yeah, hole exactly. in the top of it. So the boiling ste- the steam comes out this little spout and effectively rains back down, rains back down onto down. the exactly. chicken. It
1: condenses and it rains back and down. And right.
0: somehow cooks a whole chicken. I'm going to switch streams just a tiny little bit, Kaiser. I'm going to ask you if you have a
1: worst travel food story. Make me cringe. Uh, okay, so it's got to be... Uzbekistan either that or or Mongolia 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 I mean both of those places are just just food deserts it, or they were in the, the in 99 and 2000 the, the two years that I I traveled in those places respectively 99 in in Mongolia it's you know they're both the same kind of nothing but mutton just everything is just there's no no thought that goes into cooking there it's just you know The best you could do is like manti or plof, uh, you you know, get a a decent pilaf. But no, it was, it was awful. I mean, and, and just the, the, the worst, I mean, it almost puts you off mutton. It almost puts you off lamb. I mean, just because just the overwhelming gaminess of everything and everything, you know, your, your tent smells like mutton. The tour guide smells like mutton. Your horse smells like mutton. (laughs) Everything is, it's just, it's just kind of, yeah. It was the one time where I was just so I just couldn't wait to get back to China to eat again because it was the food in Central Asia. I mean, I love it. But even even, you know, the the shashlik, it's just I mean, it's not as good kebabs. It's not it's not as good as as, you know, the Chuar back in Beijing. Right. I mean, it's just a far cry from it. Would you say this of the entire step? I've never I mean, so I've been to Uzbekistan, I've set foot in Tajikistan, uh and then mm-hmm. and, and that's it. Uh so I don't know. I mean, but I can't imagine it it improves too much. Your basic bias is against the sheer volume of
0: of old lamb, yeah, yeah. right? It's just a, a mutton, 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 mutton. You're Seinfeld in that episode with the blue napkins. Right, exactly. Nana's blue napkins. You're chewing, 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 spitting into the blue napkins, and then the dog attacks Elaine <laughs> later in the episode because all the napkins with the mutton are in the pocket. I get it. You were Jerry in, in that, that episode, context, yep, yep. I think, I think. Were you ever in a position to
1: try fermented mare's milk? Yeah, yeah, no. That's not so bad. That's like if you th- it's not bad at all. If you take like yogurt and champagne and mix that, that's what it tastes like. Oh, I, maybe I had a bad batch. One of the great things about living in Beijing was that there's this little row of restaurants just north of the Park. This in this little kind of arcade, they were all basically from the ex the former Soviet Union. All all these I mean, so there was oh, yeah. a, a there was a an Azerbaijani restaurant uh, which is a really interesting blend. I mean, it's, it, you, you recognize there's a Mediterranean-ish component to it. Uh, there's a Georgian restaurant, which was fantastic. Georgian food, by the way, is amazing. I've never been to the Caucasus, but uh, there I, I now want to go because it's it's the Azerbaijani stuff. It, you could recognize Persian and Turkish elements in it, but there was also um, there's something, you know, Russian also in it. The Georgian stuff, they had these like these cheese pancakes. So they're just insanely tasty. Um, and then, of course, you know, Georgia's got all sorts of other stuff that they do with, you know, grape leaves and things like that. It was, it was just great. And there was like a Kazakh place there. There was a Czech beer pub. um And then there was this Russian grocery store where we would go and we'd buy, you know, sausages and, uh, you know, great bottles of relatively rare, hard to find vodkas. And and then you could get tons of raw like caviar. I mean, just, you know, they, they have buckets full of it. And you just buy scoopfuls of. And so my wife and I would sometimes just do the Russian like We go home, drink vodka and eat <laughs> caviar and, and little Russian cheese and Russian sausage. <laughs>
0: Well, this is so. It's amazingly enough, and I actually never stepped foot into the neighborhood, but I've always heard of it. That you could actually spend days and only speak Russian. Am I wrong? I mean, that there's there's a bunch of Russians that live yeah, in that yeah, area, yeah, yeah, and and yeah. it's largely uh,
1: one of the primary language.
0: Spoken, it's, yeah, it's, it's great. You suddenly
1: you know you you cross the street, and all the signs are in Cyrillic. It's a very cool, very cool neighborhood. Um I mean it's kind of scary. I mean, you, you go there and people will offer to sell you handguns for example, but it's 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 a very interesting place.
0: We have reached the part of the show where I am going to give you 5 fill in the blanks.
1: Are you ready? Okay, sure. Blank will be my last meal. A sumptuous North Indian banquet that does not stint at all on the ghee. It'll probably kill me. It'll be will be my last meal. <laughs>
0: Butter, 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 yeah. butter. You Actually, that's the closest thing to a great answer I've had on this show, and I'll tell you why. When I say, what are you going to have as your last meal? Don't you want it to last hours and I hours do. and hours? Right, right, right.
1: Indian just is so delicious and so punishing on your body. I cook blank to impress people. Uh, the honest answer is I cook superficially uh, elaborate Sichuan meals that actually consist of quite ordinary Sichuan dishes to impress people because they, it's visually and the smells are, and people are blown away with the you know you pour the sizzling oil on top of the shuiju ro that impresses people
0: one of the most ironically named dishes shui ro yeah. uh, uh, ever from yeah shui ro or shui fish which means technically water, it, boiled, water yeah. boiled meat and it's anything but a mild dish no. it is a uh, spicy it's numbing it's a cauldron it's, of fire yeah it's exhilarating oh my god but it's far from water boiled yes water was involved but a lot more happened that flavor profile i will say uh i've, I've been living closer to uh pescatarianism than anything else describable uh-huh. lately but i've always thought that that treatment treated fish a lot more respectfully than it treats beef now the beef version is a fantastic dish. They're very different. They're very
1: different. But what it does for fish is amazing. Oh, yeah. I use just the humble swai. I mean, for mm-hmm. for Zhu Yu, or my wife does. Mm-hmm. My wife is the Shui Zhu Yu cook in the house. Um, and she just, it's better than anything I've ever had. So they, they sell a lot of these pre-made Shui Zhu Yu packets. And the one called Bai Jia, 100 mm-hmm. Families, that's the one to get. Oh, my God. It's so tasty. Okay. Mm-hmm. I cook blank to comfort myself. Okay, this is a whole category. Rice goop variations. So rice goop is what what I call all of my, everything that runs from like, you know, beef stroganoff to um, like Japanese style chicken curry. Those are, yeah, that's that's my go-to comfort food. Rice goop. Rice Rice goop. goop. Rice goop. Uh,
0: Since you are a fan of stuff on rice, let me ask you this question because I I haven't found another person who does this. Have you ever involved rice goop with olives? (sighs) Because I've discovered that hot olives, if you will, inside of another dish with rice is an amazing thing that is relatively unique. I don't see it, but I do it. Wow.
1: I I am not creative. Well, I get called on this constantly by my wife. She thinks that I'm so conservative. She thinks that I have like these fixed ideas about what food goes with what, and it's true. It's true. I'm kind of old-fashioned that way. I don't experiment a ton. I mean, basically, if it hasn't been done successfully by somebody else and I've tried it, I I, I generally don't try. So I would never have the balls to to do something like that. But that sounds fantastic. And I, I just suddenly thought of a couple of dishes that I used to make that would be better with, like, you know, some chopped up Kalamata olives. and This thing that I made in college for my band, my band was called Free Fall, and we had this thing called Free Fall Chicken. Our singer was Armenian, and she made this great Armenian pilaf. And so it was this this creamy uh chicken dish uh, that had a lot of paprika in it, and uh it had cognac in it. That was like one of the... Ooh. It had a real like alcohol profile, but I, th- I was thinking olives would be really good in that. Yeah, anything that needs to be punched up.
0: I, I I made a a really interesting. I think I invented this dish, but in the in our Dutch oven book. It was ca- I called it the Mexiterranean mess. And it <laughs> was literally a, a, like a bunch of Mexican stuff, chilies, black beans, and a bunch of Mediterranean stuff, like uh, parsley and olives. And, and it, was, it was truly like a combination between wow. the two. It didn't make any culinary sense, right. but it was delicious. And that's all that matters. If I made this for you, I, I would hope that you would induct it into your rice goop genre. I would erase blank
1: from the food world, oh, I think I have a good answer for this. Chalgar. do you know what chalgar is? This is the worst thing ever. So basically, it's a mishmash of innards boiled in this thick, just sort of broth. It's like fried innards and then in a goopy soup. It's, uh, it's so foul. I think it's mostly pork. This innards. is a very Beijing thing. A Beijing hutong specialty, correct? This is a
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's stinks like it's an it's an awful stew awful awful stew it's one of those smells that wafts out of the hutong that you can identify kind of like stinky tofu like there's this there are these identifiable smells like oh that's what's going on down that alley well i'm gonna drill
1: deeper into that would you erase awful no i love a a well-done kidney dish i love a well-done liver dish I love lots of different versions of, you know, intestines. I just don't like it all mashed up in, in that particular. I don't know. There's something that they do. I don't know. Maybe it's one particular organ that, that's maybe it's the pancreas. But I don't know. They, don't they just,
0: blame the pancreas. Everybody's always blaming the pancreas. I think okay. it's the
1: intestines.
0: <laughs> Nearly every time it's the intestines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it could be the intestines. Although, I mean, intestines done right are good. Fried sundry of O'Fall. Yeah. And I'm going to don't let's let's leave the pancreas
1: out of this. <laughs> Blank is for dinner tonight. So the plan right now, and I, I, it might change now that I've just been sort of waxing about different rice scoops, but um, the, what I have planned is chicken enchiladas with uh, rice and beans, just, you know, good old refried beans, which, by the way, I'm the master of refried beans. I, I, I learned from a guy who cooked in one of Tucson's best Mexican restaurants, um, his secret refried beans without too much lard. And it's just... Boil them up with a whole bunch of garlic and onions, and then you know they yeah. they they strain the beans so they're not super fibrousy. You know they push them through a a, a wire strainer. Oh wow! So it's nice and nice and creamy. Yeah, too creamy for me. I'll start the whole thing right after we're done here, just with the chicken, and that broth goes into into the beans, it goes into the rice, it goes into everything else. I mean, it goes into the enchilada sauce. That's, that's, that's really important. Is this one of those applications for the rotisserie chicken that you talked about? No, no, no. This will just be uh, chicken thighs. And so it'll be a, you know, a ton of, of Anaheim peppers, uh, just sort of chopped up and then a, a big old onion and then, you know, a couple of packages of, of Costco chicken thighs and then a good scoop of, of cilantro. I'll probably put some dried red peppers in there as well. But so that broth goes into the rice, goes into the beans. Uh, and I make enchilada sauce out of that. And the enchilada sauce, I use a medley of ground peppers that, you know, that I've got. And it tastes really, really really tasty. Yeah. It'll be really good.
0: And your rice, you said you cook it with the chicken broth, right? That's that's
1: the chicken broth. So, you know, I just, I'll, I'll just use, you know, jasmine rice and I'll fry it first with, you know, so, so oil and a lot of, uh, Red chili powder, you know. I'll, again, I'll use my, my that same medley, uh, and then some chopped green pepper and some chopped onion. And then after it's coated nicely, then I just put it back in the rice cooker and cook it on you know the jasmine setting. It uh, turns out fluffy and, and tasty. A little salt in there f- as well, of course.
0: And you almost exclusively jasmine, or do you mention your love?
1: So here's my, my my like Chinese food rice recommendation is called fu Lingmen. And it's uh, a, Northeastern rice. It's grown in that black soil, uh, with that long growing season. You know, the, the it's a short season, but long, long days. Uh, and, and that seems to be wh- why the Dung Bay rice is so darn good. You can buy it. It's about 20 bucks for a five kilogram bag. So it's, it's, it's cheap. It's not cheap. It's expensive. It comes yeah. in these vacuum sealed kind of rectangular green things you can get it at at the good groceries it's you know imported from china and then if you can't get that the the best way to go is the good korean rice like uh, re r-h-e-e or snow the good big bags of of the korean rice are are good generally when it comes to asian rice you get what you pay for it's the, the the more expensive per pound the better it's going to be.
0: While I was living in uh, Dongbei, outside of the city, but we were living on a campus that was out in the sticks. It was an old military base. But this is the, I believe, and I could be wrong, but this was the stuff that they were growing. Yeah. But I took it for deep granted, right? So when I started to travel around China, I was like, where's that bowl of rice from Shenyang, from Tieling, right. from from Jilin. Where's that bowl of rice, which is and fragrant I, and oily? I mean, it's just and it sticks yeah. together just right. Ugh, it's, it's nutty, is what it is. It's it's got
1: a flavor. It's the best rice in the world.
0: It's got this flavor oh, yeah. that you never expect. You think that rice is this platform upon which you can use the genre of rice goop right not at all but it really does make a huge difference
1: yeah Fullingman is is the bomb i mean it's hard to go back to anything else after you've eaten that fooling the though so, Kaiser Gua, this has been wonderful. You are the energizer bunny
0: among broadcasters. You are very busy, and I truly I really appreciate you carving out just a little bit of time to chit chat today. So, thanks, man, and we'll talk soon. Oh yeah, bon appetit. I'm so
1: hungry now. I can't believe we've been talking about food for an hour and a half, and now I'm uh, off I go. To all of you wonderful, intelligent listeners out there, remember
0: to subscribe to this show, follow me on Instagram, and find our books with your favorite seller. Those are One Pan to Rule Them All, Kiss My Casserole, How to Cook Anything in Your Dutch Oven, Chinese Street Food, and the forthcoming Off the Top of My Head, Recipes, Rants, and Ravings of an American Cook Obsessing in Barcelona. Until next time, stay saucy and eat well.